whenever we come together as a church family from around the world, I just know it makes the Lord happy because the Lord said where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in your midst. So we can gather together and he's here. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I believe the Lord's going to meet every need that you have today. He already knows what those needs are, and he's going to supply a word to give you the strength and the faith to carry on and to do all that he has accomplished you to do. Every single thing, you're going to get it done. Praise God. Today, let's begin by receiving the holy tithes and offerings. I want to read a scripture to you from the epistle of 3 John, and this would be verse 1 and 2. So this is not the gospel of John. This is the epistle of John. And it says the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now, John at this time in his life is an old man and he lived a long age. This is the same John that leaned his head on the Lord's chest and said, Lord, who is it who is going to betray you? And of course, at that time, uh, John was a young man, but now he's the elder and he is the last of the 12 apostles. He's still alive. And this is what he says. Now you think about the wisdom. You think about a man who was there with the Lord's entire three and a half year ministry and the knowledge that he has of the Lord Jesus. And look what he says He says to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I pray. And the word pray here can be translated as a strong desire, a strong wish. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So we have two things that are very powerfully revealed in God's word as being his will. Number one, that you prosper in all things. I believe in prosperity. I believe whatever the Bible says, hallelujah. And that determines where we take our stand. Number two, I believe that it is God's will for you and I to walk in divine health as revealed in the word of God. This floats around, revolves around the centrifugal force of having a prosperous soul. Hallelujah. Now, soul prosperity initiates from knowing what God's will is. If you want to know what his will is, you can find it revealed in his word, which reveals to you and I, his character, his nature, his expressed will. And so soul prosperity, your soul prospering is knowing who you are in Christ knowing God's will and plan for your life as revealed through what the word says. Now, soul prosperity equates to prosperity in your overall life picture and soul prosperity also equates to health in your body. I believe that soul poverty, which is ignorance of the word. I I mean, you can be, an intellectually gifted person. You can be a bright and smart person, but be ignorant of God's will because of ignorance of his word. And so this doesn't mean you're not smart. It doesn't mean that you're not brilliant. It just means that there can be people who either don't know or who have been misinformed about the will of God and they don't know the will of God. So there can be soul poverty, soul poverty, often leads to uh, sickness and disease. Why, why fight it? If you think actually God's putting it on you. And so that you have a lot of people that are sick. I'm talking about Christians. Why they're not prospering in their soul. They don't know the reveal, the revealed will of God's word. And they also don't know what God's word says concerning their finances. And so if their soul poverty, not if their soul's not prospering and their souls in poverty, ah, Now you see financial problems, maybe not poverty, although that certainly can be seen as evidenced in the lives of many of even God's own people, unfortunately, but you see, you see lack, 
insufficiency, financial frustration. So my friends, when your soul is prospering, then there is going to be prosperity and health. Praise the Lord. Now, we have to be honest. If we were to have read verse 2, John the Elder, with all of his knowledge of the Word, and writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if John had said, Beloved, I pray that you may be poor and broke in all things, and be consistently in sickness and disease, then, then you know what? We would have had to uh, have looked at that, and we would have to say, that is the will of God, then this is what we're going to go with. But that's not what it says anywhere in the Bible, anywhere in the Bible. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. And when you follow the new covenant established upon the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you see the will of God, things start getting exciting very, very quickly. Because when you start to take hold of what God said, your, your picture can turn quickly. Oh, you may be under a mountain of bills and a mountain of debts, and you you are searching for answers to your dilemma. You may have doctor's reports where your report is 10 pages long and is all negative. But you know what? You start getting in the Word, and your soul starts prospering according to the Word. And it is amazing how fast uh, your faith can work, and God will begin to come on the scene. And things just start turning around. And before you know it, you start to get breathing room and then you get more breathing room and before you know it you can be in a place of complete deliverance and and you're going to start to see the results of your soul prospering what's that what is the results you prospering in all things and that absolutely includes your finances all things yes that your finances doing very very well and in health i speak longevity over you glory to god Come on, you need to be thinking 90 plus. Hallelujah. You need to be thinking, if you want to, if you've got the faith to go there, think, uh, you know, over 100. But, you know, you need to at least be hitting in the 90s. Praise God. Mm -mm. Glory to God. And I'm talking in your 90s in health, not being pushed around in a wheelchair, hooked up to an oxygen tank. But I, I'm talking about you pushing somebody in chair. When you're 90 years old, hallelujah, you're walking around, you're fine, and you have a strong mind, clear mind, just as sharp as when you were 21 years old. Praise God, perhaps even sharper because of your increase of knowledge and wisdom over the years that you have gained. My friends, it is God's will for you to prosper financially in every area of your life, prospering in everything, increasing on your job increasing in the way that you you handle money finances increase in your life every year things getting stronger and stronger and stronger and your health blessed glory to god praise god sickness and disease absent from your body and having no legal permission to penetrate hallelujah you're walking in divine health glory to god that is what god says is his will for your life and we're not going to argue with God, nor with John, one of the original 12 apostles who is a writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to argue with the Holy Spirit. We simply believe it because it's what God said, and we receive it. And we pattern our lives according to what God said. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, as you're giving today, as you're honoring the Lord by bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. Let God's will for your finances be established. Let God's will, hallelujah, for your finances be established. Pastor Stephen, what is that will one more time? That you prosper. You need to have a prosperity mindset. Well, Pastor Stephen, I've heard a lot of criticism in the church about prosperity. Mm. Why? Why is there criticism? Because you have people that are not prospering in their soul, and they, they have no clue that God actually wants them to be blessed. They have no clue that it would make God happy to see them th to be able to go into the store and do some shopping and pay, and pay cash for it. They have no clue that it would make God happy for them to have extra so that they could go out and buy gifts for others and be a blessing in the lives of others. But you know, you know, because your soul is prospering. 
prospering in the richness of God's word. And just like the apostle Paul said, you have the mind of Christ. You think like Jesus, you think like the anointed one, you think like what the word speaks and says, praise God. May your finances be in harmony with God's will, ever increasing more than enough abundance, plenteousness in every area of your finances in Jesus name. Please lift your hands. Father, I pray over your people today as they're honoring you with their tithes and their offerings, bless them with prosperity and abundance. We thank you for health in our bodies and a strong sound mind and a prosperous soul that loves you. O God with all of our hearts, our mind and our strength in Jesus name. Bless your people. O God. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, if you are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks international PO box three, four, five, six Mooresville, North Carolina, two, eight, one, one, seven. If you want to go online and bring your tithes or offerings in online, safe and secure 24 seven, it's available. Please visit the ministry website www.stephenbrooks.org. Please click on the link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go there day or night and bring them straight into the storehouse of God where you're being fed spiritually. Praise God. And together, we're touching the nations of the world with the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God today. All right, before we jump into the Word of God today and I share the message with you today, I want to encourage all of you that want to join me and Kelly in Israel to sign up and get registered. My friends, our time is getting close for departure, but you've still got time. Now, the dates for our trip, May 20th through the 30th of 2018. And to register, you can either go to our website, stephenbrooks.org, click on the link that says Israel Tour. Okay, you'll see the information there. Or if you want to maybe just have somebody walk you through it and do it the easy way, then just call this number 1 800 929 4684. It'll give you a few options. Select option number two. You can speak with somebody who will help you get you all registered and signed up. And you know what? If you're if you're uh, maybe by yourself, maybe you're single, or maybe you're married and your 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 spouse can't make it, you know, you might want to invite somebody else, a, a friend, a family member, and say, "Come on with me. Let's go to the Holy Land together with Pastor Stephen and Kelly, and you know, share your love for Israel and for the Holy Land and for the Jewish people with others, and bring others into." this knowledge that you have of God's blessing for Israel, for the church, and bring them with you to Israel on this tour with us. Praise God. Amen. So if you're planning on coming, go ahead and get registered, sign, uh, get signed up because our dates are drawing nearer and I want you to come. I'm telling you, there's blessing waiting for you on this trip. Woo, God got some surprises. Hallelujah. And you need to go with us. It's going to be a glorious time. We'll see the best of Israel and we're going to have a fantastic time together. Praise God. All right. All that information's on the website of the ministry. Please visit that and get registered. Now today, let us go to second Corinthians chapter 10 and talk about a subject that will really help us to please the Holy Spirit, will really help us to step into God's plan for our lives. Glory to God. We want to talk about taking thoughts captive. Isn't that funny? A thought, something that would seem to be inanimate. You know, it's like a cloud. Like, how do you take a, a cloud captive? Well, thoughts can be taken captive. They are not a, you know, mystical substance that cannot be reached or grasped. And we want to talk about that today. What did Paul mean when he said, take every thought captive? Well, let's talk about it today by jumping over to second Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 10 and we will begin our Bible study today in verse three. Praise God. Heavenly father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come now 
with quickening power that our inner man, for those that are women, the inner woman be made sharp and active according to your word, that we come alive, that this not be a history lesson, that this not be a textual exercise and, and just learning mental information, but Father, that this be bread of life, bread from heaven that feeds us and gives us something to chew on all week long and to be mindful of. We thank you, Father God, that we live by every word that comes out of your mouth. We thank you for that preceding word coming forth now in this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You live in a flesh body. I'm sure you've noticed that by now. And our, our flesh, you know, we have to feed it. We have to take care of it. Uh, you need to comb your hair. You should brush your teeth. And of course, if necessary, and often it is necessary, use some mouthwash, praise God. Make yourself presentable. Uh, let the Lord be glorified through good presentation. Oh, it doesn't mean you have to sleep in a suit and a tie, but, uh, you know, just make a good presentation as you are an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in your place of environment and so forth. And we live in the flesh, but my friends, the Bible says we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, so many things that happen in the natural realm that elicit a response you don't have to respond to it in a fleshly way, like something out of your physical realm. Uh, I'll give you an example. I talked to a friend of mine one time, and uh, he, he was, at that time he was my best friend, and he, he, he was upset one day. And, I, and uh, you know, he and I were both young in the Lord. We, we were on fire for God, but we hardly had any knowledge of God. We had a lot of zeal, but we didn't have a lot of... Uh, you know, maturity in the Lord. So, you know, we were excited. We would do anything to share the gospel with anybody. My friend said that he pulled up behind a car <laughs> at the stoplight. You know, this light turns red, everybody stops. So he pulls up behind a car, you know, you're just waiting there in, you know, car in front of him stopped because the light's red. And he noticed there's a bumper sticker on the car in front of him. And it says, honk, if you love Jesus. Oh, he thought, oh, that's wonderful. That guy must be a Christian brother. And so he honked his horn. And so my friend, when he honked his horn, it, it, it uh, coincided that when he honked it was the exact moment that the light went from red to green. And so when he honked his horn, the light had turned green. And the guy in front who had the bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus, obviously thought somebody's honking at me because they think I'm not, I'm not going. Well, the light just turned green. So the guy with the bumper sticker that said, honk if you love Jesus, heard my friend back behind honk his horn in celebration of Jesus. But that guy in the flesh thought my friend was honking like, hurry up and get going. So he had his window down. The guy with the Christian bumper sticker had his window down, leaned out, put his hand out and his arm out and gave my friend the finger, the, the gesture, the sign of, you know, you know, you know, which finger I'm talking about and then took off. And my friend was like, I can't believe that guy did that. He shouldn't have a bumper sticker on his car like that. <laughs> and you do have to be careful like that. If you wear a, a t-shirt, Christian t-shirts, you know, uh, uh, bumper stickers, uh, you know, you're just, you have to be careful because, uh, you know, people will give you more scrutiny. And I'm not saying don't hide your witness. I'm just saying be smart about the way that you do it. Really, like the Apostle Paul said, you are a living epistle. In other words, an epistle is a letter, a Christian uh, letter, like we're seeing uh, here in the New Testament primarily. But let your life be a living letter. You don't necessarily have to have a bumper sticker or Christian slogans on your shirt or stuff like that. That's fine. That's cool. But there, there's a place that's way beyond that. It's just your, it's just that your lifestyle. Uh, says it. You don't have to have a big gold cross or something like that hanging on a necklace. You don't need that. Uh, a lot of times people that wear these external uh, representations of their faith oftentimes don't seem to back it up very well. So let it be in your substance, 
not so much in external you know credentials praise god you know what i'm talking about well anyhow we don't wage war in the flesh uh, if somebody says something, we don't want to retaliate in anger. We try, we want to try to always walk in the spirit, knowing that even if you get in the flesh and even if you're technically right, you still can lose because you're never going to get anything really accomplished in the flesh. Well, I'm going to tell them off, Pastor Stephen. I've got a right, and they're wrong, and I'm right, and I'm going to tell them I'm right. Well, yeah, but you're telling them you're right while you're doing it the wrong way. So it, it would be better not to say anything until you just cool off, and then you can talk from a calm heart and not get in the flesh. So, but at the same time, you know, we are in a flesh body. We understand that, but there, there are methods with dealing with things that go beyond physical strength, physical ability. We want to talk about that now. Verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not, they're not physical. It's not like, Hey, let's have an arm wrestling competition to settle this. Uh, no, because uh, even if somebody beats you in arm wrestling or you beat them, you could still walk away thinking I'm still right. Ever see that in sports? You'll have a team that loses, and there's somebody on the team that just lost, and they still think, oh, we're better than them. They beat us, but we're still better than them. Ah, well, if you if they're, if you were better than them, how come they just beat you? So, you know, <laughs> losing is a hard thing to swallow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But this, this is more important. This is a spiritual victory producing, of course, natural victory in the way that you live and you govern your life. Let's jump into it more. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Well, what are these strongholds that we can pull down? These strongholds, when you examine this in context, uh, remember, if you read verses out of context, you can really build some very bizarre theories or, or inaccurate doctrines. So that, that's a key, um, you know, thing for any Bible student, anything that you want to study, you know, read the chapter, read the whole chapter, read the chapter in front of it, read the chapter after it, read the whole book, and you really understand what's being spoken of here. The strongholds that are being referred to here are strongholds in people's mindsets, their ways of thinking that get so fortified and get so built up with wrong information, they're actually convinced that the lie that they believe is real. And the whole thing is a lie. The whole thing is built on uh, inaccurate information, false information, uh, the false presentation of error. And so they, they, they get it and, and you know, that the, they swallow it hook, line and sinker. And now you want to help somebody and they have a whole mindset that has been established. That's completely wrong. Praise the Lord. Well, for the weapons of our warfare of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. Do you see the context? Strongholds, arguments, uh, the, you know, these verbal d debates and things like that. Hmm. And every high thing, every arrogant thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So these strongholds, these arguments, this knowledge against God, this prideful arrogance and knowledge, so-called knowledge against God, these things can be pulled down. And here, here's what's amazing. You can come to Christ and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and give your heart to him and be made brand new, be recreated on the inside within your spirit. You pass from death unto life and the Holy Spirit is living in you and you can still have a stronghold, a wrong way of thinking because of the way that you were raised. Perhaps you were not raised in church and you were just in a sense a heathen, a total pagan, and you grew up and a life of sin ever since early age, just sin and sin and uh, every wild thing under the, under the sun. Well, although you receive Christ as your savior, you're born again. Your mind is not born again. Well, what, what was saved? What was born again? Your spirit, but your mind can still have wrong patterns of thinking. Wow. Really something to think about here. And so these things can be pulled down. 
And we have supernatural weaponry to deal with these wrong ways of thinking. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Casting down arguments and every high exalted thing that would lift itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, look what Paul says. Now, in context of these wrong patterns, these wrong ways of thinking, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Let me ask you this. Is every thought that you think important? It is. uh, Sometimes we think it's not, but it is. And there needs to be a filter for everything that's wanting to come inside of your mind. I'm telling you everything. You have to be selective what comes in and what does not. You have to be the gatekeeper of your, of your mind. Not your grandmother. She can't do it for you. No, no. Not your third cousin removed from your sister's wife. My friends, you must be the gatekeeper of your mind. And that's something that nobody else can do for you. You have to take responsibility for your thoughts. Praise God. Bringing every thought into captivity. Now, the phrase bringing into captivity captivity is actually what's known uh, to New Testament scholars as a Greek word picture. Remember the original New Testament language was written in the Koine Greek, which Koine meaning everyday common language that the people spoke in the marketplace out buying groceries and shopping and things like that. This is not high Greek. This is just everyday Greek. And there, there are word pictures that are used that the Greek people, if you said a certain thing, they would know what that's referring to based upon easy to understand word pictures. The phrase bringing into captivity in context of thoughts, the phrase bringing into captivity is a Greek word picture of a soldier who has captured an enemy and leads the enemy into captivity with the point of a spear placed right at their back so that if there's any disobedience, that enemy knows that spear is going to be run completely through them. And the hit of that spear will go through the back and just whoop, all the way through the front and pop out on the other side. The enemy knows don't act up because I have been taken in, in the captivity and that the person who's captured me has got the spear on my back right now. And I can't act up anymore. My friends, that is what this is referring to right here bringing every thought into captivity. Praise the Lord. I better make sure I didn't turn off my, my microphone since I'm sticking my arm back there. Praise God. My battery pack. Praise the Lord. But you have to bring every thought into captivity because there are enemy thoughts that would like to get into your mind. Mm, praise the Lord. Now, in the Greek, the verb tense here is actually that of a continuous action, bringing every thought into captivity. In other words, it's not a one-time thing. Pastor Stephen, I did it three times this week. That's good, but you'll find out sometimes this is going on every hour, okay? This is something you have to train yourself to do. This is something that does require a conscience effort initially. Now, after you get used to it, you, you don't really have to think about it so much. It just becomes something that kicks in. But if you haven't been uh, on this and you're just used to letting anything come in that would like to come in, well, when you first start saying, hey, we're shutting that off and I'm filtering everything from this point onward, then you, you're going to have to make a conscience effort. But, but this is something that's ongoing. In other words, bringing every thought in captivity. This is ongoing action. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You need to have your spear in hand all the time. Any thought, that thought knows you're armed with supernatural weaponry. And it, it's going to have a hard time getting in. Now, that old devil still try. He'll still, still try to tempt you with certain thoughts. But when you're there at the gate of your mind with the spear, ready to take in the captivity, any bogus baloney, wow, praise God. I tell you what, when you're, when you're on guard like that, you're going to get so sharp. 
your mind is going to be so sharp, praise the Lord, that the enemy, he'll try some stuff, but he's not going to be able to get it past you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, dealing with bad thoughts is dealing with, in essence, unbiblical thoughts. I know if we say bad thoughts, you know, some people think about robbing a bank. Uh, you know, the devil's not going to really tempt too many of you to go out and rob a bank. Now, I, I, I used to be a chapter president of Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. And one of our favorite speakers was, uh, he's now a pastor. They called him Freeway Don. Freeway Don was a former bank robber who had a very um, famous or infamous shootout with the police on the 405 freeway in uh, Southern California after he had robbed the bank and uh, Freeway Don eventually got saved. And today he's a Pentecostal spirit-filled pastor. Praise God. But my friends, what I'm trying to say to you is that the enemy is not going to try probably to get you to be tempted with the thoughts to go out and rob a bank and have a shootout with the police officers. Stop and think about it. Has he ever tempted you to do that? (laughs) All right. You're in the bank trying to make a deposit and a thought just comes into your mind, rob the bank and then shoot any officers that tries to stop you. No, that's not going to work with you. So although there are bad thoughts, you have to realize the thought of fear to be, to be fearful of being laid off to be fearful of, uh, you know, something not working out that needs to work out, to be fearful that uh, the job is not going to go through or that you're not going to get the job. Those are also bad thoughts, and you need to meet those thoughts with your spear in your hand. Praise God. And they can these crazy thoughts can come out of nowhere. You know, I want to give you an example because just yesterday, excuse me, two days ago, I opened up the door to my vehicle and I've got, I have two brief briefcases. I have a small one and then I have a large one and the large one, I can pack a lot of stuff in there. And oftentimes I've got books and uh, things like that and, you know, laptop computer and all kinds of stuff. And that, that briefcase can sometimes weigh, I'm not joking. It can weigh 30 pounds. Uh, now it's on roller. So if I'm going through an airport, I can travel comfortably. But sometimes if I'm not traveling, I'm just going about from my office to my house. I'll load that thing full of all kinds of stuff. Well, I opened my door and just, you know, reached in there to grab my heavy briefcase and just grabbed that kind of off balance uh, with, you know, not good posture. And when I grabbed it and lifted it and swung it around, something felt like it pulled down in my lower abdomen area, and a thought just shot into my mind, you just got a hernia. And I said, oh, you devil, you lying devil. And he said it again. He said, you just got a hernia. And then he he reminded me, your brother had a hernia also, and you're going to get it also. It runs in your family. You guys just all get hernias. I said, you lying devil. And I, I could just feel something. And I said, no, 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 devil. I did not get a hernia. I will never, ever get a hernia. And I just took my uh, case and carried it on, went about my business. And you know what? Totally fine. Totally fine. Nothing touched me. Nothing that the devil wanted to come. Now, why would he want to put that into my mind? So I will yield and receive it. And then if you receive his stuff, now he has legal right because he's inside to attack and put that thing on you. You've got to meet him at the gate. Where is the gate? Where is the battlefield? It's right here. Woo! Oh, glory to God. It's right there in your mind. Meet him at the gate and take that sword, take that spear, and say, oh, no, 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 no. Take take every thought captive and say, this is a wrong thought. This is from a wrong source. This is not originating from God. This is originating from Satan. And I reject this thought at the gate of my mind. Get out in the name of Jesus. That's how, that's how you deal with these types of things. Woo, woo, glory to God. Mm-mm. And so I'm happy and fine. Jump around and bounce around the day totally fine. There's nothing wrong with me. So don't let the devil, don't let the devil just throw these things at you and then they come in. Now, now they start to do their thing as a person begins to meditate and think, you know, well, I guess I, you know, I do kind of feel kind of funny, uh, uh, you know, and it just, you know, then it begins to go downhill. And the next thing, symptoms are beginning to arise. Oh, no, don't 
Don't think about these things. Don't let that devil do that to you. Don't receive his thoughts. Praise God. Take every thought into captivity. Bring it into captivity. Praise God. Let's go over this morning to James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, the devil usually does not show up before you with a long tail, hoofed feet, a pitchfork in his hand, trying to gouge you with his pitchfork. No, he doesn't show up like that. He usually shows up with thoughts. And the Bible says to resist the devil. So to resist the devil primarily means to resist what? His thoughts, his baggage that he wants to carry into your mind. Hmm. And so he'll come to you with a thought and he'll say, you know what? That disease runs in your family and you're going to be the next one to get it. It's about time that you get it. Your grandfather had it and your dad had it. And they all had it. They came down with it at the same age that you are now. So now's your time to carry on the, the family, the family lineage of getting this disease. And he comes with these crazy thoughts. What are you supposed to do about that? Resist. Resist what? Resist those thoughts. Resist them. If you do, he'll get weak. He'll get weak. And eventually he'll, he'll have to live. Uh, he'll have to leave. He'll leave. Why? There's no access. He just can't get through. It's like a steel barrier. He cannot penetrate. Mm, Praise the Lord. Praise God. He comes with thoughts. He'll try to suggest you'll never get out of debt. You're just not going to get out of debt. Look at all those debts. They're still there. You haven't been able to touch them. You haven't made hardly a dent in them. You'll never get out of debt. Look, you don't have to receive that junk. Resist him. I'm I'm going to tell you in just a moment, two ways. Oh, wow, that are so powerful and effective in resisting the enemy's thoughts. I want to teach them to you that as you apply them, these two methods of resisting, you will see him leave. You will see him pack up and say, you know what? It's not working. Well, let's just come back and try again later. (laughs) But he will flee. He will flee. That can be translated in the Greek, amplified out. There was one Bible version that translates it out. He will flee in terror. Mm. Well, he's turned around, and, he, and he, there's, there's a terror that chases him away from you. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. It takes time to explain that. So let's continue to move into uh, uh, this area. How do we resist the devil's thoughts? Praise God strong resistance will force the devil to leave and will place him in a position of being defeated against his attacks against your mind. Praise God. So how do we resist the devil's suggestive ideas and thoughts? Praise God. Let's go to Joshua chapter one and God will tell us how to do it in one verse. Praise the Lord. I want you to know how to resist the devil. Praise God. How to resist his thoughts that may come during the daytime, that may come during the nighttime. How do we resist the devil's suggestive thoughts? Praise God. Verse 8. This is what God told Joshua after Moses, the great leader, has left. He's died. How would you like to replace Moses? How would you like to be the person next in line to fill his shoes? Wow. Okay. Joshua is up to bat. And so the Lord's going to tell him how to succeed and how to win. So watch this. Verse 8 of Joshua chapter 1. This book of the law. Now, we have the book of the law. We have the first five books. That's technically what was known as the book of the law, but we've got a lot more now. We've got the Psalms. We have the, the major prophets, the minor prophets. We have the gospels. 
we have the epistles, we have the book of Revelation, we have the full, complete canon of Scripture, we have everything we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. This book of the law, from a New Testament perspective, you could say the Word of God. The Word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. Okay, now watch this. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. I think sometimes we have focused more on meditation when actually the first thing God told Joshua to focus on was your mouth. Did you catch that? And then meditation comes second. See, some of you have been fighting the battle of resistance the wrong way. You have been fighting a silent battle that when the enemy comes with his suggestive thoughts, thoughts that you know are not from God, you can tell that these thoughts are coming directly from Satan himself. And so you're trying to resist quietly. And that's not the best way to resist. The best way to resist is number one with your mouth. Praise God. Did you ever stop to think that one of the greatest weapons that God has given you is just right beneath your nose? <laughs> and the enemy doesn't want you to use it. Especially, especially when he's trying to uh, suggest thoughts to you that are negative and are destructive. So, what you have to do is that when a thought comes that is not of God and it has to be taken captive because it's a very serious thing to, uh, to deal with these things. What you have to do is you have to jump on that thought immediately out loud and you have to open your mouth and say, no, 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 Mr. Devil. No, 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 no. That thought is from you. Now, sometimes you have to do it a little bit under your breath. Maybe there's other people around and you have to do things in wisdom, with discretion. And so you may have to just quietly under your breath say, no, that's not of God. And, and you know, you just talk this thing out quietly. But other times when you're alone and th those crazy thoughts come, you just say, no, no, you can use some authority out loud. No, no, Mr. Devil. And you know what? The enemy, sometimes he tries to mess with you pertaining to what your background was. And he'll try to somehow make you think that your background determines your future in a negative sense, he'll say, he'll say, I know that you're saved. I know that you're living for Jesus now, but you have to remember, you know, for years and years you did drugs and you, you know, you took cocaine and heroin and you know, you really damaged your body and you drank a lot of alcohol and injected a lot of stuff into your body. And you know what? It's good that you're saved, but you know what? You're just not going to live a long life because you've damaged your body. And you know what? You might as well just be planning to, you know, die young. Where is that kind of a thought coming from? Did not the Bible say in Psalm 91, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation? Well, that crazy thought that you're going to die young, that's not from God. That's from the devil. And you need to right there on the spot, jump on that. Take that captive and say, oh, Satan, you liar. I will live a long life. And the very fact that you would try to suggest to me that my life will be shortened is an indicator that God certainly wants me to live a long life. And I am on purpose going to live a long life. Hallelujah. And I'm going to enjoy the life that God has given me. And I'm going to live to be 90. Praise God. Hallelujah. At least 90. And if I get to 90 and I want to go longer, then I'll, I'll, I'll just think about 100. And if I get to 100 and I want to go a little longer, I'll just talk it over with the Lord then. But I'm not checking out anytime soon. Praise God. That is a weapon. Open your mouth. Resist. Pastor Stephen, how do I resist the devil? You tell him, no, you're not coming in here. No. Pastor Stephen, even my body is craving and my body would like to respond to that thought. No, you have no authority to come into this mind. Hallelujah. The gatekeeper is on watch and you're not coming in here and you take it captive. 
See, here's the thing. You've got to jump on it. Don't let that stuff just float in your mind. Well, yeah, I, you know, I guess that would feel good if I went out and did that. You know, I haven't gotten drunk in a long time. No, no, no. Take it captive. Shut it off in the name of Jesus. Right there at the spot. Soon as that thing would try to come. No, no. Say, no, no, no. You're not getting in here. And we're not thinking about that. Mm-mm. Use your mouth to deal with it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't fight a silent battle of resistance. Use your mouth. Praise the Lord. You know, I was at a place earlier today where I had to run an errand. And so I was, as we say, out in the world. And I, I overheard some news. And see, I filter news. I, and I always filter commercials. I, I can't stand commercials. And uh, it doesn't matter what I'm watching. If there's a commercial, that mute button is on every time. And I also filter the content of whatever the subject matter would be that I'm watching as well. But I was out in the world today, and you know, the world just, they, they listen to anything. And so I, in this area I was at, I, I heard a television that was on, and the news reporter was saying, scientists are confirming that we're having epidemics of the flu, and uh, it is, uh, is completely normal now to expect that you can actually get the flu twice, even back to back. And yet, you know what? And when the news reporter was saying that, the other uh, co-hosts were like, yep, yep, we might as well expect to get the flu. And you know what? I just said out of my mouth, I'm never going to get the flu. See, if, if a thought would try to come to you that is evil, that is unbiblical, that is not of God, then you need to say, oh no, that thought's not coming into my mind. You know, I, I heard another minister just share recently that he, and he shared the story of a man that said, and this man opened his mouth and said, I will never get the flu ever again, ever. And it's been over 40 years and he's never had the flu. And guess what? He's not even a Christian. See, my friends, you have the ability to choose what you believe. You make the choice. You have the ability to choose what you think on and what you allowed to come in here. And you can say, no, that is not coming in here. And you know what? I heard that person today, that news reporter say, uh, you know, well, yeah, we have flu epidemic. And I know there's a flu epidemic. I know a lot of people uh, are having the flu more than a long, long time. But I haven't had the flu in ages. And I don't ever plan on having the flu again. People ask me, have you had your flu shot? I said, no. But I had a shot of John chapter 3. Praise God. I had a shot uh, uh, of, you know, Isaiah 53. I had a shot of the word. Uh, no, I haven't had a flu shot. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But I just keep injecting healing scriptures and health scriptures into my mind all the time. And it affects my body in a good way. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, you know, some of you, you just need to do the same thing. You need to say, that's never going to happen to me ever. Why don't you say that right now? Say it out of your own mouth. Say, I will never, ever have the flu ever again. Say it again. Say, I will never, ever have the flu ever again. Glory to God. Let's go further. Say this. I will never, ever have a cold again. I hate colds. I hate the flu. It's disgusting. I hate it. So just, just in your mind, the devil would try to put that on you. You're getting sick. No, no. Use your mouth. No, I am not getting sick. I'm healed by his stripes. Now verse eight, this book of the law, the word of God shall not depart from your mouth, from your mouth. Use your mouth to resist the enemy's thoughts by taking them captive at the gate of your mind and say, no, 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 no. You're not coming in here. We're not going to do that. That's not coming in here. Praise God. Hallelujah. And jump on it immediately. The moment a thought would try to come in, contrary to the word of God, take every thought captive, jump on it quickly. Don't let it just fly around in there, float around. No, in your, in your head. No, no, no. Don't let it in at all. Take it captive and say, no, praise the Lord. Now here's something amazing. 
according to the scripture, you can use your mouth to prohibit impure thought from coming into your mind. You can use your mouth to stop unbiblical thoughts from getting past the gate of your mind. Let's try a little example to verify this. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to count to 20. I want you to not count out loud, but I want you to count internally in your mind. In other words, in your mind, just quietly internally count to 20. I know you know how to do that, of course. But while you're counting to 20, I'm going to say a few statements, and I want you to open your mouth and repeat what I say. Okay? Now, I want you to count the 20 internally in your mind, but I want you to repeat out loud what I say while you're counting the 20. Okay? Are you ready to count to 20 in your mind? Are you ready? Begin counting now. Praise the Lord, I'm healed. Jesus is my Savior and my provider. I serve a Jehovah Jireh, and all of my needs are met according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I have a sound mind, and I make good decisions and choices based on the Word of God. Praise God. Now, you're probably discovering something. As you're trying to count to 20 with your mind thinking about that, did you notice that if you will open your mouth and speak something else, you can superimpose over your thought life what you say. Wow, praise the Lord. You can superimpose different thoughts upon your mind by saying something different out loud. Pastor Stephen, the devil's trying to suggest to my mind that I get in the fear, and I have a very difficult situation. Pastor Stephen, I feel like my mind is being bombarded by fear. I'm, I feel like I'm about to lose my mind. If, you, if you're having those thoughts, stop right there and say out loud, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when you'll notice when you open your mouth and say that, those thoughts have to stop. Why? You just superimposed over them with a different thought that was established by what you just said. They can't, th those negative thoughts, they can't keep going. You stop it with your mouth. And that's what God told Joshua. And Joshua is going to take this information, these two things, and he's going to apply them and you know what? It worked. You read the book of Joshua. This guy, and le he led the nation of Israel into a succession of victory, victory, victory. Oh, I, I know they had a, a little defeat, a very rare occasions, but if they ever had a defeat, they got it fixed quick, and they got right back on track, and it was victory, winning, victory, winning against impossible odds. They're outnumbered. They're still winning. The enemy's stronger. Oh, no, but, but the enemy finds out they got defeated. And the, the Israel just goes on winning, winning, winning against giants, against impossible odds. Winning, winning, winning. Why? Why? Starts with the mouth. And then he said, you shall meditate in it day and night. Okay. So number one jump on it. Any thought, any thought, jump on that thought. Check it out. What kind of a thought is this? Where is this originating from? Is this from God or from the dark side? Get your spear ready. Take every thought captive. Jump on it and do not tolerate anything coming into your mind that is not from God or not in harmony with God's word. Praise God. Use your mouth 
to deal with it and say, you're not coming in here. I refuse to think about this and then speak the word, which would, which would superimpose over any of the enemy's suggested ideas or thoughts. Excuse me. Number two is to meditate on the word of God. The word meditate literally in the Hebrew means to mutter, to quietly begin to speak over and over and to chew on what it is you are mentally digesting. This gives us a Hebrew word picture. Just like the Greek had word pictures in the Hebrew, there were certain phrases that also brought up word pictures. And the word meditate in the Hebrew is a word picture of a cow chewing on the cud. And when the cow chews the grass and the nutrients, uh, you know, all these things that it's chewing and eating, it swallows it. But the cow has multiple stomachs and it can bring what's called the cud back up again chew on it more because this is some rough fibrous material and you know cows are different they can they can extract all of those nutrients out of that grass our stomachs you know if you try to eat grass it's not going to turn out very good because we don't have the same type of stomach ability to live off of grass like these uh animals do so it it just brings it back up chews on it assimilates it uh, swallows it brings it back up again chews on it and it's getting all the nutrients out of that and that's what it means to meditate on the word of God so when these thoughts come that are not of God and it's time to resist the devil to resist his thoughts you do it with your mouth and then you also do it with meditating on the word of God if the devil is saying to you you know what cancer it runs in your family and it looks like it's going to be running in you too Yep, about that time for you to be coming down with it also. Remember your aunt, she had it at your same age. And remember your grandmother, yep, she died from it. It's about that time. You're going to be next in line to carry on the family tradition. And you just say, no, 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 not me. I'm healed, praise God. And you begin to meditate on the Word of God. Meditating on the Word of God. If if you're in a place financially where you're trying to get the victory financially, and the enemy says, you're never going to have uh, financial freedom. No, no, no. I, you better believe I, I'm going to have all kinds of financial freedom. I'm going to be a blessing just like Abraham was because I'm blessed to be a blessing. And you begin to meditate on the scriptures. Now, how do you do this? How do you do this? Very important what Joshua was told by the Lord. This book of the law, the word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Okay. Eight o'clock in the morning. Is that daytime? Is the sun up? Yes, that's daytime. Meditate on it at eight o'clock. Ten thirty in the morning. Is it daytime? Yes, it is. You need to be meditating ten thirty in the morning. Two o'clock in the afternoon. Is it daytime? Yes. Meditate then as well. Uh, five o'clock. Still daytime? Yes, it is. We need to be meditating. It's still daytime. Nighttime. That means it's dark. Nine thirty at night. Should we meditate? Yes. Should we still consider what God said? Yes. Two o'clock in the morning. Is that nighttime? Yes. You get up to go to the restroom, get a drink of water, raid the refrigerator. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, Meditate on the scripture uh, while you're up getting something out of the refrigerator or getting a drink of water. Praise God. See, this is what God told Joshua. If you want to win and have success, this is what you do. You're going to use your mouth. You're going to speak my word. And number two, you're going to meditate on my word day and night. So what you have to do is you have to meditate day and night. Just two things. That's all you have to do this day and night. That's it. That's the only times you have to meditate day and night. And you do that and you'll get the promise. The results of what this verse says will be yours for then for then when you do these two things, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success and the enemy will not be able to penetrate. See, so much of the victory is won right here in your thought life and the way that you think, the way that you, you see things from God's perspective and faith is of the heart. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says that faith is of the heart, but what's in your heart and that level of faith is fed by what's coming into your mind because faith comes by what faith comes by hearing and hearing by what the national Enquirer, wall street journal time magazine no no faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god 
That's the rhema word of God. In, in the Greek, it's the rhema word of God, that sharp living word. That's what, you, that's, that's what you're feeding your faith with, which is in your heart. Praise God. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So your heart must be fed faith. It must be fed the word of God. And so that comes into your mind and your, your mind is attached to your spirit and you need to feed your spirit, the word. So as faith is fed by the word, unbelief is fed by negative report by constantly thinking of the negative circumstances, by constantly meditating and thinking thoughts of how hopeless it looks, of what happened to other people. But yet, when you meditate on the Word, you come back to what the psalmist said in Psalm 91, though a thousand fall at my side, and a ten thousand at my right hand, it will not come near me. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, you never know. You might go down too. We just, we might all die. We might all go down. That's not what the word says. See, faith is strong. Faith is not flimsy. Unbelief is. Unbelief is. But faith has character and boldness and stands strong. Praise God. So be very selective on what comes into your thought life because what's in your mind is what's also going down into your spirit and that affects your heart. That's where faith is at. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Unbelief comes by hearing the devil's thoughts and meditating on them. But when you meditate on the word day and night, you become convinced that what God said is true and it is true. And then those mighty results begin to work in your life. Obviously, Joshua took God's advice. He was a hearer and a doer of the word. Is it easy? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work, but the results are so sweet. Here's the thing. The results, they'll start kicking in quick. I mean, when you give attention to this, and give energy to this and give conscious effort and focus on this. I mean, I'm telling you within 24 hours, you're like, something's working. I mean, this is working. And in three days, you can, you can see God begin to push things back that don't belong in your life. And as you stay with it and stay with it, you get stronger and stronger. And it's like Joshua, you start winning all the time. <laughs> Glory glory. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people that they take every thought captive, that they be conscious of this, and they make this effort to do this, that they be hearers of your word and doers, that they'll do this, that they'll take every thought captive. Now we give you praise. We give you praise that they'll use their mouth and that they'll use meditation of the word day and night to turn everything in their favor to turn everything in the prosperity every desert will bloom in their life and every good thing that you intend for them will come forth and every valley will be filled every mountain and every hill will be made low every crooked place will be made straight and every rough place will be made smooth we thank you that your glory will be seen upon our lives just like it was on Joshua. We thank you, Father. We resist the enemy. We resist his thoughts. We give him no access with his thoughts, none. And he flees from us. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. We thank you for your great plan, your strength, your Holy Spirit. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We have the mind of Christ. Please say that. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. My friends, let's take communion today and celebrate this amazing truth that we can take every thought captive. Praise God. Please grab yourself some unleavened bread and some grape juice and take communion with me and the church family around the world as we're taking communion together. Glory to God. 
church family, ministry partners, and friends, let us take communion together and celebrate this mighty Lord Jesus Christ that we serve. Hallelujah. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. This is now holy. This is now the flesh and blood of our Savior. Father, we thank you that as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you that we have his mind, that we are able to think like Jesus, that if Jesus were in our shoes, that we will do what he would do if he were in our shoes, that we'll actually know those exact thoughts. Now we praise you. We thank you that any stuck situations of not knowing what to do are getting unstuck right now. Thank you, Father, that you're making a way. We receive now the flesh of Jesus. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What you put into this will determine what you get out of it. And you'll see that the results are so amazing that you're just like, wow, now I know what it was like for Joshua. Wow, isn't that amazing? You're going to love winning. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes all of our sins away. Father, as we confess our sins, we thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we confess our sins. We thank you now that the blood is applied to our lives, washing away all sin, all unrighteousness. We thank you for clean, pure hearts. Hallelujah. That we can look up to you and behold your glory, not condemned from past mistakes or sins, but washed pure and clean. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, in this mighty cleansing power. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah for this precious blood. Let's receive it now with a clear and a clean conscience in Jesus' name. Praise God. My friends today, go forth. Take every thought captive which is a form of resisting the enemy, and you will see him flee. God bless you. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.